So, good morning. Morning. Um, so, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at our vision and values for Hope Church Lytham. And we've, we've come up with this overarching theme of love God and love people. And then we've been looking at five values in depth. So, if you've missed any of the past few weeks, I'd really encourage you to catch up on the podcast. Um, so, we've already talked about pursuing the heart of God. We've talked about discovering our God-given purpose. Um, and as part of that, we, we had these uh, shape questionnaires, which I've got some at the back still. And I would encourage you just to take one away um, and to have a look at it and fill it out. And then um, if you'd like to, you can meet with John and I and we can just have a chat with you about kind of what your spiritual gifts are and what your heart is and, and things like that and see um, how you can be placed in the church. And, and then last week, John talked about bringing hope to the community. Um, and today, we're going to look at restoring the brokenhearted. And then next week, John will be back, and he'll be telling us about creating a culture of generosity. So, today's value is all about coming alongside people, and it's encouraging growth in emotional and spiritual health. And we've taken this value from the verses in Isaiah 61, that say, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Jesus read this portion of scripture in the synagogue as a description of what he had been called to do. So surely we must try to do the same. To me, it talks about bringing people to wholeness, and I feel that it is the church's responsibility to help people on this journey. We need to support people so that they can function out of a place of knowing that they are loved and worth something. So this is essentially about mental health, which is something that I'm really passionate about, and I hope that I can take you on a journey today of considering how mental health affects all of us and how we can be Jesus in a hurting world, especially when it comes to mental health issues. And believe it or not, the Bible speaks a lot about mental health. It describes life through the eyes of despair and depression. So if I were to write a psalm for some of the most heartfelt and low moments, then these, these parts were taken out of the psalms. It would go something like this. My soul is in deep anguish. I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Why, Lord, do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I am mourning. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying. I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Do not reject us forever. That's all the best bits of the Psalms. 
So how much of that can you identify with? Like, How often have you felt that God was absent when you needed him? How often have you felt so low that you flood your bed with tears? And the book of Ecclesiastes is another that speaks from a place of despair. And the book starts with the words, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And there's even a book called Lamentations. And to lament is to passionately express grief and sorrow. King David knew what it was like to feel really down and depressed. And so did King Solomon and, hold, and so did the whole nation of Israel. To mental health, it's not a new thing. and God isn't surprised by it. He understands the vastness of the mental health issues today because he's been hearing about it for years. The current situation is terrible. And we hear about it in the media all the time. About suicides, about depression and anxiety. About the strain on mental health professionals and services. Depression alone costs our UK economy over £9 billion every year. And more than twice as many people die from suicide than from road accidents. Mental health issues are huge. And while I'm not suggesting for one second that the church has all the answers, I do wholeheartedly believe that God does. And it's our role to at least try and come alongside hurting people and be Jesus where it's needed most. So today we're going to have a bit of a lesson in neuroscience. Don't switch off. I hated science in school. But the, the older I get, the more fascinated I become with God's creation and how it works. Dr. Caroline Leaf is a Christian neuroscientist and she's done extensive research into the brain. And she explains that God uses science to reveal things to us about his creation. Scientists can get stuff wrong if they don't interpret it through God's eyes. And then that means that science changes and it evolves as scientists figure out that they got it wrong the first time and now they think they've got it right. But in the context of a relationship with God, science makes much more sense. Do you know your brain is amazing? I mean, it's bound to be because it's made in the image of God. But Dr. Leaf's groundbreaking work shows that thoughts are real, physical things inside your brain. So when you look at a living brain and go deep into the tiny, minute parts of it, you can see what looks like trees growing and branching off into more trees. And the branches of these trees are called dendrites, and they grow as you think. So when you have a thought, your mind activates these dendrites, and they become protein structures in your brain and grow and form into branches and trees. And the more time you give to a specific thought, the larger the tree becomes. So you are the designer of that tree. You capture thoughts as physical things that grow in your brain, and that affects your future thinking and therefore your behavior. So let's say, for example, that when you are eight years old, you go to school, you're feeling a bit tired, maybe you're a bit under the weather, and you're just looking out the window, not really doing your work, and your teacher calls across the classroom and says, hey, lazy bones, wake up, do some work. So you think, oh, I'm lazy, and a little branch starts to grow in your brain. If you then get through your whole childhood without ever being called lazy again, then it's no big deal, no harm done. 
but if your teacher calls you lazy a few more times, and then a year or two later, your next teacher refers to you as lazy, and then maybe you get to secondary school and you enter those teenage years and you start sleeping in at the weekends and you're reluctant to do chores, and then your parents get in on the act and they start calling you lazy. And then this little branch in your brain becomes a tree that says, I'm lazy, and it grows. And the more that you think that you are lazy, the more you believe it, because the bigger it gets, the more power it holds over you. And then suddenly you are a lazy person, and everything you do is viewed from the thought of, I'm lazy. So you don't bother trying to help out when you see a need, because you're lazy. It's who you are, and there's nothing you can do about it. You spend a lot of time in bed when you can. You don't really tidy up after yourself, and so on, because you're lazy, and that's not what you do. Well, being lazy is not such a big deal, but what if the thought is, I'm ugly, or I'm not loved, or I'm not worth much? <coughs> and you allow this thought to grow and grow until that's all you can think about. Then every conversation you have, every room you walk into, Every experience is viewed through the lens of, I'm ugly, or I'm not loved. It could be that you are the most beautiful person on the planet. And it could be that all the people around you actually do really love you. But you can't accept their love, because the tree that you have grown says, I am not loved. And it has been watered and has grown far larger than the tree that says you are loved. And then your behavior reflects that too. So a person who feels so unloved behaves in a way that is destructive. Maybe they turn to alcohol or drugs. Maybe they begin to self-harm. I can say with certainty that there will be symptoms associated with poor mental health, perhaps depression or anxiety, low mood, not eating properly, not sleeping properly. And all this has an effect on the physical body, which causes physical illness too. So having this insight that thoughts are real, physical things brings a whole new perspective to taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the amazing thing about the brain is that it can be changed and this is called neuroplasticity. There's a process that we can go through to gradually kill off unhealthy thoughts and grow new healthy thoughts. We have divine power from God to demolish strongholds, to demolish those unhealthy, toxic thoughts that we have allowed to grow and even spent time watering ourselves. We can take our thoughts captive and bring them in line with what God says about us instead of what the world says about us. The way you use your mind brings change. It takes determination, but it is possible to completely change your thought patterns, to actually change the physical structure of your brain through using your mind effectively. You might have heard that it takes 63 days to form a habit. Well, that is based on this same science. 
It takes 21 days to break down an unhealthy thought. It takes another 21 days to build up a new one and 21 days to solidify that new thought tree, which totals 63 days. Now, obviously, this can be different for everyone because if you have been believing that unhealthy thought for years and years, then it might take a bit longer to break it down. But this daily process in its very basic form is taking time out at the start of each day for no more than 10 minutes a day to consider what you feel in your physical body, what you feel in your emotions, what that negative thought is, what you would like to replace it with, and what the end result looks like. And then you think about that end result at several points throughout the day. You can even set an alarm to remind you. This does take determination and motivation to want to change, as the process can be emotionally draining because you are basically doing brain surgery on your own brain. So you react to life all day long and process everything you experience dependent on your already developed habits or thoughts. The more you focus on one particular thought, the more it controls you, but you can choose to change your brain. Your mind controls your brain and not the other way around. Matthew 12, 33 says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And verse 35 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So this is the same principle. If we see the world through a lens of not loving ourselves, and feeling worthless, then we produce bad fruit from unhealthy trees. And the opposite is true. If we see the world through God's eyes, see the world through a lens of his love for us and for others, through knowing our worth, through knowing our purpose, then we produce good fruit from healthy trees. What you say and do is not a random event that can't be helped, but it's based on the thoughts that you already have built up in your mind. The trees we plant in our brains can be for healing or for destruction. So now that I've learned that thoughts are real physical matter in the brain that can be changed, my understanding of many Bible passages has been changed. Sometimes I feel like I'm reading the Bible in a completely different new way. I get lots of light bulb moments. So take this for example, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We are told to be made new in the attitude of our minds 
and that when we are not made new, we are darkened in our understanding and live in the futility of our thinking. We give in to the world and the way that the world does things. And because we're living through this lens of unhealthy thinking, But once we understand the principle of changing our thoughts to become more like Christ, we can take responsibility for this in our own lives and no longer be swayed by the world. What an amazing place to live from. I don't know about you, but I've been reading my Bible for years and I've been hearing these verses about being made new, renewing my mind, taking my thoughts captive and so on, but I've never really understood how I was supposed to do that. But I found that through doing these daily exercises that I'm closer to understanding that this is how. So as someone who has suffered from depression and anxiety for many years, I've found that the biggest stumbling block for me has been motivation. I knew that I was supposed to pray every day. I knew I was supposed to read my Bible. I knew that I was supposed to cast my anxieties onto him. But I found it really difficult to bring myself up out of that pit long enough to engage with any of it. My worldview had been shaped by thinking that God wouldn't stop and listen to me because he's got so many other people to think about. And that was a thought tree that I was watering. The thoughts that had taken hold of me had pushed me down before I'd even got up. We did the Freedom in Christ course last year and that was a real turning point for me where you're encouraged to speak stronghold busters, which is a daily activity where you declare God's word and God's truth over a lie, and they teach you how to do that. And that felt manageable for me because it was just reading something out every day. I could cope with that. And then I found Dr. Leaf and her work, which I've just found transforming in my overall mental health. I'm certainly not saying that I've got it all together, And I definitely do have moments where I lose the battle and I can't fight it. But there is so much power in words and declaring God's truth over a lie. At first it feels really uncomfortable and it really made me cringe to say things the opposite of what I had believed. But I'm sticking with it and it is having a great impact. And I would encourage you to give it a go. So when I begin to feel in my heart that God is actually real, he does actually love me, he knows me by name, then I can much more easily tune in to living that lifestyle of worship, that I can pray and read the word, that I can hear from God, and that I can engage, and that I really notice when I start to feel anxious, and I can cast my cares onto God and hand it over to him in that moment. I lived a lot of my life believing that this is just the way I was, subject to depression through genetics or through life experiences or whatever, and that I couldn't change it because it wasn't my fault. It was just the hand I was dealt. But learning that thoughts can be changed means that I have to step up and take responsibility for myself. Please hear me right. I know that there are some horrific things that happen to people and that they have no control over these things and can do nothing to prevent them. However, each of us has a choice about what we do with with our experiences and with our situation. We can allow it to take root and grow into unhealthy thoughts, or we can fight against it. We can choose to grow healthy, healing thoughts. 
You might have heard stories of people going through such incredibly difficult situations or trauma or even abuse, and they, they end up self-harming, they end up destroying their lives through addictions, or they may even end up committing suicide. And we don't blame them. We don't blame them at all for the way that they've reacted. We totally understand, because of their circumstances, why they would behave that way. But this is a tragedy, and there is another way. You've probably heard of the American Christian speaker and author, Joyce Mayer. She has written over 90 books, most of them with a theme of overcoming emotional trauma through using God's word. She, as a child, was sexually abused by her father. And she is an example of someone who was determined to discover God's truth over her life and not allowing her past to determine how she lives her life. She talks a lot about using the mind to overcome difficult emotions. Her books are so popular and she has sold so many that she now has her own private jet to take her to speaking engagements. So whether you think that's appropriate or not, it gives you a picture of the impact that she is having on the world. And that could have been a very different story if she had allowed herself to be brought down by her circumstances. Her books have titles like Battlefield of the Mind, Winning the Battle in Your Mind, The Secret Power of God's Words, and Change Your Words, Change Your Life, Understanding the Power of Every Word You Speak. One of her more recent books is Do Yourself a Favour, Forgive. And forgiveness plays a huge part in this. So if you look at the physical makeup of the brain, unforgiveness looks the same as an unhealthy dendrite or a bad thought tree. This means that unforgiveness has the same impact on us as a negative thought or belief and has the same symptoms in us as depression and anxiety and can actually cause us mental health issues. The more you think about that person and what they've done to you, the more you are watering the unhealthy root of bitterness. This is something that Joyce Mayer recognised in her journey of forgiving her father. In a way, your own sin is easier to deal with or your own thought patterns that you've allowed to grow because you can acknowledge that you've done wrong and you can turn away from it and start again. But if it's someone else that has caused the pain, it can be much harder. You might have heard the saying that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's so true. We hold on to things that hurt us. We dwell on it. It's like we're poisoning our brains, creating unhealthy thoughts and unhealthy behaviours. I know it's not easy to forgive, but it is absolutely essential to our own well-being that we do. And again, the Freedom in Christ course is great for working through forgiving people. And they've written a Steps to Forgiveness process. I have some copies of that here today, if you would like one. Each of us has a choice whether or not we allow healthy thoughts to take root and grow. And in Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20, God says to the Israelites, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. 
So God gives us the choice and he pleads with us to choose life. An unhealthy thought does not create a normal pattern in the brain and it's recognized by the body as physical damage. If we continue to believe the unhealthy thoughts or live in unforgiveness, that tree grows bigger and bigger and can't be healed whilst you are feeding it. This is choosing death and curses. But when we allow God to show us the thoughts that we need to work on and we allow him to heal us, spending time each day renewing our minds, as I briefly explained before, we can bring our thoughts into captivity and we can choose life. It's so important for us to include the Holy Spirit in this process. The verses I just read tell us to listen to the voice of God and hold fast to him. If we're not listening to the voice of God, we're either listening to ourselves, listening to the world around us, or listening to the devil. And none of these options is going to lead us to a good place. We have more power over our minds than we think. And perhaps this is one of the lies that the devil tries to get us to believe. He tries to tell us that we can't change, so there's no point in trying. But 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 tells us that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And some versions say power, love, and a sound mind. God has given us the power we need to change. He gives us love to uphold us throughout this. And he gives us the ability to create a sound mind within us. It is so important that we seek God in all that we do. You might have heard it said that a lie holds no power until you believe it. If you don't believe the lie, it can't hold any power over you. Truth always holds power because it is truth and it is the responsibility for each of us to discover God's truth and put that into action. This is just as important for our mental health as it is for any other aspect <coughs> any other aspect of our lives and walk with God. Love is also a choice. Love wouldn't exist if God didn't give us free will. Love is a choice that we make. We have the freedom to choose who we love and choose whose love we accept or reject. And the Bible tells us that God is love. It's the very core of who he is. And we are created in his image. Our default setting is to love and to be loved but we very often choose to reflect a different image. I believe it's our mandate in life to love God and to love people, but this can only happen when we choose to love ourselves and to receive the love that God pours out onto us. We are made to love. We are wired for love. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear, so love and fear cannot coexist. If you're not living in love, you are living in fear. Our perfect design from our perfect creator is that we think positive thoughts and love ourselves and others. We're actually designed to be addicted to God. A definition of addiction is being mentally or physically dependent on something. We are designed to be wholly dependent on God. And if we're choosing not to wholly depend on God, then we will end up depending on something or someone else to get us through we will be addicted to something else. But it is only God that can sustain us. 
People say that faith in God is just a crutch to get you through life. And I will be the first to admit that God is my crutch. And I would much rather it was God than anything else. So your mind communicates with your brain and it impacts it. But it also communicates with and impacts your spirit. So while your choices affect your brain development, they also affect your spiritual development. And I've seen this happen where people who were once walking with God begin to grow and water the negative thoughts and they start slipping into behaviors of the world, thinking negatively about, about themselves. But alongside this, they also move further and further away from God. So renewing our minds not only causes healthy thoughts, but it also causes healthy spiritual growth, bringing us into closer relationship with God. It's so amazing the way that God has designed us. He wants us to know and feel love and to depend fully on him so that we can take his love to others and help heal other people. So how do we even start on this journey of coming alongside someone? Whether they are just having a low moment or going through terrible circumstances or if they have a long-term mental health condition, what can we do? What does this love look like in action? So now we're moving out of neuroscience and into counseling psychology, if, if you're keeping up. So in counseling training, you're taught about three core conditions that need to be provided to help a person feel that they are loved and known and that you are on their side and that you're rooting for them. So I'm going to give you a very, very brief overview of these in the hope that you'll have some practical tools to be able to come alongside someone who is hurting. So these three conditions are empathy, unconditional positive regard, and congruence. So empathy is trying as very best you can to understand what a person is going through. It's not sympathy, which is more about feeling sorry for someone. But empathy is expressing that you're interested in what they have to say. And even if you don't fully get it, you show that you are trying to understand by clarifying what they're saying to you. And this gives the person an assurance that you really do care. It's also not about bringing your own experiences into it. That saying of, oh, I know just how you feel, the same thing happened to me, that totally takes away from what the person is telling you. And the truth is that even though you might have been through a similar situation, you probably have completely different feelings about it and reactions to it. So empathy is about trying to see things from their point of view and finding out how they feel about it. Then unconditional positive regard is basically unconditional love. But you can't say love on an academic course, so they call it positive regard. <laughs> but it's the unconditional part that is the key. All of us will have people that we struggle with. In the same way that all of us have a certain type of people that we have a real heart for, and that we're passionate towards helping. But all of us, if we're really honest, we can feel disgust or even hatred towards a certain type of person or a people group. So unconditional positive regard is the ability to put your own feelings aside, to be able to see beneath the behaviors and sometimes the outward appearance of a person so that you can accept them where they are. Is it easy to love the unlovable? No, absolutely not. But is that what Jesus did? Yes, it absolutely is. Jesus accepted, loved, and healed outcasts. 
So why is it that we seem to have a perception that we should somehow judge people into the kingdom of God? No, we need to love people into the kingdom of God and we let God do the judging. If we think we have the right or the authority to judge people, then I would suggest we need a closer inspection of the teachings of Jesus. Unconditional positive regard is removing all judgment and showing nothing but love and acceptance. So then the third one is congruence, which is also known as genuineness. And it's about being real and authentic. If we want people to know that we care, we have to show that we genuinely care through our words and actions. And to do this effectively, we need to know who we are and be at least a few steps ahead in the journey of self-awareness than the person that we are coming alongside. We need to know God's love for ourselves before we can fully demonstrate it to others. I've heard it said that you can only take people as far as you are willing to go yourself. So if we are not willing to look inside ourselves, to work on our own judgments towards others, to learn to love ourselves, to choose to grow healthy thoughts over negative ones, to speak life into our own lives and the lives of others. If we're not willing to do any of that, then how can we come alongside others and expect them to be motivated to change? We need to be living real, authentic lives that say, I'm not there yet, but I'm putting the effort in to becoming all that God has called me to be. And so we come full circle. We have to prioritize our own mental health if we are to be in a position where we can help others. We have to prioritize our own walk with God if we want others to go on that journey too. So in a moment, we're going to go into a time of ministry. We're going to give people an opportunity to respond to all that has been said. And I just want to highlight some areas that I feel that God wants to do some work in. So we're going to ask that if you want prayer, that you come forward to receive it and allow someone to pray with you. They're not going to ask for a detailed life history or anything like that, but we will just ask your reason for wanting prayer, and then we'll pray with you, and we'll see what God does. So I'm going to ask that um, Joanna and Steve come forward in a minute um, to pray with you, as well as myself. So the first of these areas is those who struggle with poor mental health. God can heal and turn it all around. <coughs> Sometimes that's a process where we take responsibility and God heals us along the journey. And that is certainly my ongoing story. But God created you and he created your brain and he can mend it and heal it in an instant. I'm not saying that he will, but he can. So we might as well ask. So if you're someone who struggles with mental health issues and you want to see breakthrough in that area, then I would ask you to come forward and we'd like to pray with you. Another group is those of you who might not necessarily have a mental health issue, but you know that you speak negatively over yourself. And you've been listening to me and God has prompted you about this and highlighted a thought that you have been growing and watering. And we would just like to pray with you that you would have the courage and the strength to start speaking life over yourself. Another group is those who felt a tug and a tension when I was talking about forgiveness. You know that you need to forgive someone and it's eating you up, but you feel like you can't let go of it because it seems so unjust and like they're getting away with it if you let it go and forgive them. 
but we want to pray with you that you'll be able to take the next step of choosing forgiveness. And another group of people are those whose heart breaks for broken people. If you've already done the spiritual gifts questionnaire, then you might have shown highly in mercy showing or shepherding. You feel a burden and your heart just breaks when you see people hurting emotionally or spiritually. And you might want to reach out to people, but you're a bit lost about what the next step is and how to do that. And we want to pray with you too. So Ben, would you be okay to come up? So for those of you who, who don't want prayer at this time, I would just encourage you to engage with God from your seats, engage with the worship, and maybe even pray for those that you can see coming forward. So I'm just going to pray now, and then please come forward and approach me, Joanne, or Steve for prayer for any of those things or anything else at all. We'd love to pray with you. So let's pray. So Lord God, we thank you for the amazing way you've created us. We thank you that you always give us a second chance. Thank you that you created us so that we can always come back to you, so that we can choose life. We want to thank you for your forgiveness and for your love for us. And we pray that you would help us to forgive others and love others in the same way. Help us to disregard our judgments of others. Help us to learn to show unconditional love to people. Help us to come alongside people and be Jesus in a hurting world. So Lord God, I just ask now that you would prompt those people who need to come forward for prayer. Help us to hear your voice and your truth in everything. Amen. <laughs>